Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Javier Suarez, co-founder of Oliva. In this episode, we talked about what it feels like to start over again after building Travelperk, a hyper-growth startup. Javier also shared how the anxiety that came with being a founder of a hyper-growth company motivated him to start Oliva just a few years later. We also discussed how Travelperk viewed churn and retention and what they did to solve it in the early days. We then dove into the evolution of their product team as their company scaled, why they focused their efforts on small to medium-sized businesses, how they made that decision, and how it influenced their product strategy. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Javier, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, for the listeners, Javier is the co-founder of Oliva. Uh, they provide meaningful online therapy for busy people. Uh, prior to Oliva, Javier started out in business development and booking.com and then moved on to found Travelperk and served as the chief product officer. So my first question for you, Javier, is how does it feel starting over again, coming from a hyper-growth startup you founded to the beginnings of a new company now at the ideation stage and about to launch? Uh, great question. Thanks. It It feels much easier. It feels much easier because you just understand the faces of the company a lot better. And, and of course, there were a lot of mistakes that I've made in early phases, right? The wrong hires, wrong this. And um, so I learned a lot from those mistakes. And it just feels that I can, yeah, I have a lot more visibility of, of, of what's to come in the future. You have a roadmap, yes. And uh, you see. Yeah. And, and of course, the emotional side as well, right? Like I know exactly, you know, what I can expect in terms of, of you know, being in this early phase, uh, you know, how intense it's going to get. The first time around, I had no idea. I just went went for it, and then and then I realized that it's really really intense and 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 many many more things. But um, but now I feel a lot more. Uh, um, yeah, just it, it feels a lot better and easier uh, uh, to start and 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 to process it in my mind and and to build a team and etc. For sure, it can definitely as well. Like starting out a new company can be an emotional roller coaster uh, with highs and lows and. Um, I'm interested as well, like, uh, obviously, we've had Sancho on the show as well previously um, from Oliva, who you co-founded the company together. But from your perspective, sort of what was the motivation to get started now with Oliva, like after Travel Perk, uh, deciding to found a new company? Like, where did the, the idea come from? Where did the motivation come 
she founded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so look, I mean, um, Travel Perk was was an amazing ride, uh, uh, but it was as well, uh, uh, you know, it was hyper growth, as we said. So it was very intense, and and there were moments where I just didn't know anymore how to take the next step, basically, right, from an emotional perspective. And and so I started getting a lot of anxiety during during um, during that journey. And I thought, okay, you know, it was it was a new thing for me, and I was getting used to the whole feeling and and what is this, etc. So I decided to to try to get some help, some professional help, right? The, the, the obvious thing is, hey, just go to Google and, and look for, for a psychologist. And, and that's when it became so real and so obvious that it was just a nightmare to get help, right? Uh, you, you go into Google and then you have, you know, hundreds of hundreds of, of different providers and they all use this like clinical jargon and you have to call and then you have to write down yourself the appointment. Like it was, it was just very hard and then you know, you might get to the therapist actually, and then you you get there and you don't like the person. And then just the thought of, of doing that again, uh, you just stop basically. Most people just stop after the first try. And and in my mind, you know, it's 2020, like it makes no sense that mental health support or, or however you want to call it should be so outdated and so hard. So I thought, and you know, and everybody has a mind. So, so the addressable market is just massive. <laughs> and um, so I just thought the whole time, and I tried multiple times, uh, and I just thought this has to be fixed. This has to be fixed. It's too big of a problem and too important to, to leave it this way. So I kind of left it in my pocket for a while. And I knew that if I had the energy after travel park to do something again, I wanted it to be very meaningful and something that I had, and a real problem that I had. And, and this was the biggest problem that I had. So that's kind of what inspired me. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Not obviously that you suffered from anxiety and that you ha- were looking for ways to sort of uh, focus on that, but that this came out of like a really strong problem that you had personally, and then you went ahead and sort of uh, starting to build the company now. Um, and I can echo as well, like sort of th- that feeling, I think from myself personally, um, a while back, I decided, okay, I wanted to go and uh, see somebody. I was about to have a son. And in my mind, I sort of wanted to get my mind right in the sense that I and we all come with our own uh, cognitive biases. And I wanted to be aware of those so that I didn't sort of bring those onto a newborn that I was bringing into this world. And I too did sort of a similar thing, like tried to find uh, somebody to speak to, like uh, wanting to work on my mind a bit and it just like felt more of a chore and more of an effort than like the good that it was going to come out of it. And I ended up giving up. Um, and obviously I think, as you know, like, uh, recently, uh, tested out Oliver myself, like to try and, uh, mm-hmm. start speaking to somebody cause also embarking on your entrepreneurial journey. Like I really want to be making sure that, like you say, like you're working actively on your mind to make sure, um, that you're ready for this next emotional roller coaster that I know is going to come. Um, so I tested the product out and like I can say it's like the experience so far has been really, really impressive, like really smooth. Um, and it's been good to sort of just be able to speak to somebody. And, uh, I think next week is going to be the first session that I have. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and testing it out, but can definitely see and, uh, great that it sort of came out of this problem that you had that obviously I think resonates with a lot of other people that just busy, don't have the time, don't want to go through the effort, but really could uh, use and uh, the help. And obviously, like, just like we go to gym and you have a membership to sort of work on your health, on your physical health, I think mental health is just as important uh, when you go through it. So, cool. Let's um, jump back to Travel Perk then. Um, 
And sort of like you mentioned, uh, some anxiety, and I'm, I'm interested sort of, uh, did churn and retention have anything to do with this anxiety at any point? And uh, maybe you want to talk us a little bit through sort of how you viewed churn and retention at Travelwork. Yeah, absolutely. So it definitely had uh, to do with my anxiety, the churn and retention. And um, so I guess the, 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 um, the whole way, uh, the whole issue in Travelwork was that we were trying to build a platform or, or a platform that companies could use to completely manage their travel, right? And, and we were competing against platforms that already existed, but just not very well done, uh, uh, but they existed. So, um, and, and we knew that we needed a, a quite wide set of features to, to make it work for companies, right? They, only, they, they don't know, they don't only need uh, the booking of, of a flight of a hotel, but they also need visibility into how much they're spending, you know, they need, they need approval systems, et cetera, et cetera. So I really had to, like from the very beginning, I had to think, okay, what is the absolutely most painful thing that we can remove from these companies uh, so that they stay with us, right? And, um, and that's what exactly what I did. We had a small pilot founding member program uh, similar to Oliva and, uh, and we got some companies on board and, and I asked, you know, what's, what's the thing that annoys you the absolute most right now? And the first thing that they said to me was, I hate having to go to multiple sites to book flights and hotels. So I said, okay, great, let's put that into one site. So we just literally built two verticals and now all of a sudden we had flights and hotels under one roof for them to book. And, but that obviously was not enough, right, uh, uh, for them to stay. That was, that was a great start and, and they would keep talking to us, but that would not keep them in the house forever. So then I quickly realized, and um, after asking more, that a huge pain for them was invoicing. You know, for now, since they were all self-managing their, their travel, they would have to go to, to the airline every time and to the hotel and, and request the invoice so that, you know, so that employees could, could expense it. And that could take days, weeks, et cetera. And, and as, as, you know, if they don't have that invoice, they can't claim it back. So, you know, they, they can't get that money back. And it was a real pain for them. But um, so I said, you know, uh, uh, this is a great opportunity. We can, we can, with our model, we were able to generate invoices in real time because we were the ones actually selling the travel. We were not, we were not sending you elsewhere. You were actually booking with us, which gave us the, the capability to be able to create invoices in, in real time. You would book and then the next second you would have your invoice. And that was magical for a lot of companies, right? Because all of a sudden they, had, they, they were saving all this time and headache in having to chase all these airlines and hotels for invoices. And that was a really, really good hook to prevent churn in the early days, just with that one thing. But, but that one thing took time to find, right? Uh, uh, but for us, it was, it was crucial. And, and that's, that was the first, basically the first action that we took to prevent churn at a very early stage where we knew that it was gonna take a few years to get the complete set of features that these um, that these companies truly needed to really be able to manage travel like they imagined and wanted. Yeah, I love that as well. Sort of uh, knowing and realizing early on that you had sort of this sort of David versus Goliath needing to uh, build uh, so many features in order just to keep up, uh, but then really just going back to focusing on that single biggest pain point that the end user had and how can you solve that problem better than anybody else? Because I think this really hits at the core of everything when it comes to churn and retention. I mean, ultimately, 
if your customers have a problem and you're able to solve that problem effectively and uh, in an efficient manner, like there's absolutely no reason why anybody would ever churn, um, like outside of uh, involuntary churn, which is just outside of your control. But if you're really able to nail what that problem is and uh, then effectively solve it, uh, you, you've already sort of prevention is better than churn. So how did you then, like you mentioned, sort of you asked the users and uh, you came to this sort of, what did that process look like? Like when did you get this aha moment and invoices uh, was the thing you needed to double down on? How did you get to that point? Pretty straightforward. I, I, we literally talked to the customers, right? And, and, and we asked them, hey, where are you losing the most time while booking travel? Because companies, you know, travel is just, it's just a waste of mean. Like the, these companies don't work in travel. They just want to get to their meetings and get back and don't have to think about the whole process. And, and so, so I asked them, where are you losing the most time? What is the biggest headache? And invoicing just kept coming up. Actually, in fact, it kept coming back because they kept asking us for an invoice before we had that feature. It's like, I really need this invoice. I really need this invoice. And in the beginning, we would do the work for them before we had adapted the model to be able to, to create invoices. We would actually go out and try to collect those invoices for them. And then we said, okay, this is nuts. We have to generate the invoice ourselves if we want to scale this. Yeah. And, then we, and then we generated the invoices doing things that don't scale to begin with and then finding a way to automate. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, it also sort of reminds me a little bit about uh, like the cost first value matrix when it comes to churn and retention, sort of um, being able to put together a four by four matrix and understanding sort of who is your highest risk of churn and who's the lowest in the sense that um, on the x-axis you can have cost and that being like the cost of your product or the time needed to invest to get value out and on the y the amount of value that they're extracting from your product and it, a lot of ways sort of um, the value sort of focusing down will down on the product ultimately uh, reducing costs as well for companies um, it really has a good positive ROI uh, overall which can lead you to sort of another layer in keeping customers around for longer um, so I'm interested in it then as well. Like, so this was the early days. Like, you really need to figure out like a way, David versus Goliath. How do you uh, beat the competition? How do you catch up uh, to the feature parity? But then, fast forward maybe like a couple of years into Travel Perks uh, growth, like growing uh, really, really quickly. Um, what did the product team look like as well? Like, how did you scale product? And then the follow up question to that would be like, how was the product team structured around uh, focusing to reduce churn and retention? So okay. So the first question was how we how we, how we built the first the first team. Yeah, the product team. How did it like? How did it the first team that you put together, and how did it look when you left? Okay, good, fantastic. So the first, basically the first uh, uh, the first team that we built, uh, we built it by uh, by verticals, right? So so in our case, we had very specific service areas, so to speak. We had you know we had hotels, we had flights. Uh, um, and then eventually we had trains and cars. So in the very beginning, we needed somebody to completely own these big verticals, right? And, and uh, so, for, so in the beginning, we had hotels and flights, as I said. So we hired a PO to own the hotel vertical and then another product owner to own the, the flights vertical. Uh, uh, that's from a, from a product owner perspective. And then, of course, each of these teams, so we, we had the whole, from the very early days, we had the, the, the squad approach, right, uh, uh, that are completely, completely autonomous on their own. So we gave, you know, we gave each team a, a designer, 
we gave them a, a product owner, and then we gave them basically two front-end devs and two back-end devs, right? And, and that was kind of like the, the bare bones teams for each of the verticals. And, and we basically replicated those, um, those mini teams for, for the new verticals when they came, you know, for trains, so that was the next one that came. And, um, and then as we started growing, we started going a bit outside of those verticals. And we started, for example, we started to need a lot more um, internal tooling. So we built another layer, which was more for internal tooling to make us a lot more efficient uh, uh, when reacting to, to customer requests, to, to manual requests. Um, so so if, if you imagine in your mind, you have these verticals, right? And then we, we had some stuff that was, that was cross, across all verticals. And, and, and that was internal tooling, but also, for example, tooling for, uh, for the companies to be able to manage their travel. So we built a, a tooling team to create the, the reporting feature, you know, all the, all the admin settings that they needed that were, of course, cross verticals. So you kind of had it like this matrix, right? You had people focused on verticals, and then you had people focused on the cross-functional stuff that went across everything. And... Um, and, and what we did is that we gave them a lot of ownership, a lot of ownership, and they could do basically, uh, they could completely own it and, and feel like, like mini CEOs. And, and that was it. It was, it was pretty, pretty straightforward. Nice. So it sounds similar to sort of like the Spotify, maybe coined it like the squad yes. model that Spotify uses. Uh, for those, if you want to Google it later, you can check it out. It's a good, good explanation. Uh, there's many medium blogs and sites that explain it quite well. Um, it's actually similar to Hotjar as well, uh, sort of had the squad mentality and structured around um, different areas of the product to begin with. I think later then we moved, slowly started moving towards the stages of the user journey. So uh, active, or acquisition, activation, um, engagement, retention, sort of having squads around uh, different functions uh, as opposed to the product itself. But the squad philosophy is the same, uh, I think. And then... That was Sorry, that was actually the next phase after, after that phase. We, we, we moved into that direction that you just mentioned. Yep. So after a while, we grouped, we kind of created tribes, right? And then you had the services tribe, right? And then within that services tribe, then you had three product owners for each vertical. <laughs> and then you had the internal tooling tribe. And they had different, different I guess, not really verticals, but different service areas, service areas within that, that tribe. Yeah. Basically, what you do is that you start creating, yeah, another layer of hierarchy, right? And then you just start grouping stuff that, that as it makes sense. As it makes sense, for sure. Um, and then, so within this then, like, obviously, churn and retention sort of a multifaceted problem. It's it, like every aspect of your product, I think, making improvements to it uh, can ultimately make an improvement uh, to reducing churn. So how were you... How was churn viewed within the company, maybe overall? We can start there. And then how within the product organization did you focus on churn and reducing it? So um, the way we approached churn is that we had, we always looked at cohorts. And so, you know, different cohorts when they started and how long they would stay with us, right? And we would try to understand what would keep, uh, uh, yeah, what would keep a customer within our cohort and what, and what wouldn't. And, um, and then we just had to be really strict into what pains and what, basically we had to be really strict into what segment of, of, of company size we wanted to focus on, right? Because the, the needs of the different sizes of, of companies that there are are, so, are, are very different. 
And, and in, our, in our case, we made the decision that we wanted to focus on small and medium-sized businesses. And, and then we would say basically no to everything that was not within that segment on purpose, right? We, would, we were doubling down in making sure that we were creating and focusing on those features that would retain the segment that we were after and not the whole world. And, um, and we were pretty strict with that. And sometimes we would experiment a little bit with bigger accounts and, and so forth. And that's kind of like we, how we were around it. We were just very, very uh, focused and strict into what was the segment that we wanted to target and made sure that we, very, that we were in very close contact to them at all times to understand, you know, in, in a proactive manner, what is the next big pain that we need to solve for them and, and always trying to be a bit uh, um, uh, proactive in, in that sense. Let's go a little bit deeper on that then. So this these segments, small and medium-sized businesses, how did you go about sort of determining this? So you said you made a decision. How was that decision made? Um, and then after that, sort of, how did this influence in the product strategy from there? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so look, it was pretty easy to make a decision because there was already, I mean, when we started the company, uh, the, the, one of the reasons why we started it was because there was already, it was there was a clear... Uh, uh, there was already a group of solutions, so to speak, corporate solutions, right? Big TMCs, uh, travel management companies, uh, that were already servicing the big corporates. So they had all the solutions that they needed. Uh, if you were a corporate, there was plenty of solutions. But if you were medium or small, there was nothing. So it was just this big ocean uh, that was literally in front of us uh, without a solution. So we said, why are we going to go and try to compete against the corporate accounts? or for the corporate accounts, if we can serve this completely underserved side of things. Interesting. So it really started from like the product hypothesis to begin with, uh, having that segment in mind and also sort of realizing again who the competition you're up against and where the gaps uh, lay from there. Um, True, but, yeah. but I must add that it's tempting, right, to break that rule. It's very for tempting sure. once you get, you get a big account and they have a huge budget and you're like, okay, what if we just build this feature for this one customer? And, and saying no to that is really hard, but I think it's very important. Yeah. And, and do you, did you have a sort of a framework for this? Like uh, the decision-making, how do you said no? Like it was just black and white, like really you just took feedback from small and medium-sized businesses and that got weighted uh, mm -hmm. versus feedback from sort of large enterprise companies. No, look, I think that we, well, we was not so, so black and white, right? We would, we would, we would review every request. Uh, basically, what we would do is that we would have, let's say, 100 new potential accounts, right? And we would see what they were requests, what they wanted. And then we would see really what features were needed by most, right? And prioritize that way. Like, if there was a feature that really could serve the vast majority of our customers, then we would go ahead. If it was only for a really small subsegment of our customers, then probably it would go a bit lower on the list. Um, but it was just really trying to pinpoint those features that we knew that would create a superpower for, for most accounts. And, and we had to focus on those until we had the capability to start experimenting with, with different types of accounts and maybe build a little task force to just to focus as an experiment, right? So we were not, we were not uh, blindfolded to our corporates. We were just very selective into how we did it. Yeah. And did that change over time? So like you started out focusing small, medium business, did you like eventually start to go move a little bit more up market or you stood uh, true to the origins and uh, kept focus on SMB and medium enterprise? 
we look we 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 did fluctuate a little bit uh, up and down in terms of budget size through time um but uh but we always and we we kept asking ourselves every six months we would have the strategy meeting and we would ask ourselves is this really the best segment for us and then we would compare it to the other segment and and in all cases we would always go back to the small and medium size uh, business but you know small and medium is still pretty big it's a huge chunk so sure. even within that, uh, uh, we, we did have different ranges that would fluctuate with time, depending on, on the demand they were getting. And, um, but it was always within range, right? Uh, yep. uh, uh, and, and that's kind of like how we approached it. So I'm interested as well, then, what was sort of the comparative measures that you were measuring them up against? Because I think definitely like when you think of the context of churn and retention, uh, SMB and mid-market or SMB specifically is definitely always going to have higher churn rates. Uh, you just nature of the business, uh, companies go bankrupt, they can't afford your service. Like, um, So you definitely on one end sort of um, having this constant battle with churn and retention when you're dealing with SMBs. And it is very sort of tempting to move up market for a lot of uh, people because that typically like on the enterprise and mid-market to larger companies tend to lower. So what was sort of the comparative measures you were measuring things up against to sort of decide, okay, yes, it still makes sense to focus on SMB and mid-market? Um, basically, what was available, right? Uh, what, what, like we, we, we knew that there was not very many options in that segment. So, so we knew that it was, we had a big advantage because we were kind of one of the first ones to get started. And, and, and we just kept building momentum and, and improving, improving the platform, improving the platform. And to be quite frank, man, and the travel in, 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 on its core, uh, business travel on its core, I would say, is pretty sticky. So churn is actually in, tra- in, in business travel, in our case, yep. it, was very, it was very low the whole time. Because once you've deployed a system within your organization, right, specifically travel, you know, there's passports in there, there's cost centers, reporting, you know, once you've set up the system to work for you and your in your organization, to change to a system, it's 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 a crazy headache, right? Not because we make it hard for them, but just because there's so many people involved, like it's so many things involved, like like I said, passport, payments method, who pays with what, uh, what are the policies, and 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 all the contracts that we might have made for them to to get in better rates. So it's a very sticky product per se, a, a, a travel perk. And, and for that reason, we never, I must say, churn was never the biggest, uh, uh, once we had, once we had, uh, uh, let's say, a, a basic, uh, uh, like you called it, feature parity, like once we were up there, uh, churn was never, and I must say, actually, now that I think back, churn was never really the biggest problem that we had, it was always among the, the smallest problems. Uh, uh, we of course there's there was a few times where, where where maybe a very important account was about to leave for a reason, but in, I would say ninety five percent of the cases or even more, we we never lost them. Uh, uh, there, there isn't very many travel perks in the world, yeah. which, which which is fantastic. And it makes a lot of sense. I think you, you sort of the switching costs for companies really really high. Like uh, once you have maybe a hundred people, I think we use Travel Perk at Hotjar as well. Like once you've got everybody's details and everybody's like got their profile set up, travel and working like to get everyone in your company now to move to a new provider, that alone is just some like a huge decision that's weighted against um, the team internally before they make a switch. But cool. So. Let's uh, change gears a little bit. And this is a question I ask every guest that joins the show. Let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now that you join a new company, 
you arrive at this company, churn and retention is not doing great. And the CEO comes to you and says, Javier, like we need to turn things around. We need to do it fast. We have 90 days. I want you to make a difference. Like what would you want to do with your time in those first 90 days to try and reduce churn? Well, first I would do a massive deep dive into understand why they're leaving, right? I, I would need to completely understand what's going on. Like what, what is the main, what are the main triggers that are causing people to leave and where are they going? Uh, so I would try to identify that. Once that's pinpointed uh, uh, and validated with customers, I would, um, I would, I would get on it. I would literally uh, uh, prioritize and, 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 and start building and start and start iterating until we, until we see the metric go down. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think though, like with children's specifically 90 days as well, that it's something very difficult to move within the time frame because it is an in, like, it's an output metric of a lot of inputs. Um, but definitely I think everybody always starts with like, just diagnose the problem, really try and understand um, where uh, you're losing customers. And then sort of, like you said, prioritizing uh, them, picking the ones that maybe have the highest value in the shortest uh, time return as well to make a dent. Um, cool. One other question then as well is like, what's one thing that you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? Hmm. Um, well, it's it's obviously very very important, right? Like uh, the last thing the last thing that you want is to be having to to acquire uh, uh, new customers over and over and over and over again, right? Uh, it's just expensive and painful. So um, I I I think that it, just staying true to what to 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 the real pains of a customer and not going after the the shiny stuff that looks cool, right? Just really try, really try to focus, even if it's if it's it's a it's a bit boring or gray or whatever it might be. Uh, uh, focus on that. Like you really need to identify what is the biggest pain that is making these people come to you for the first place, and then you obviously didn't give it to them. So why are they leaving, right? And 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 I think it's just it's just crucial to 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 be able to put your finger on that and say, hey, this is the reason why people are not staying. And then you have to throw all your eggs against that, right? And and make them stay. I, I, I often see a lot of people in the early stages that they they just try to build too much, uh, too much. And, and they, they try to you know add all these features and, and then they don't really know why customers are there because they have so much stuff and they don't know why they're leaving because it's all diluted basically in the product. But if you just have three features, for example, you know, before you even build anything else, right? okay, is this working? Are people staying? No. Okay. Do they need more value? Let's add more value now, but just go step by step and not, and, and I would say not, don't overload the roadmap in the early, in the early days. It's just about, it's just about really fixing the biggest problems first and doing it in a, in a way that, that works well for the customer. Uh, is yeah nice i think so you just like stay true to the pain avoid the shiny objects and sort of double down on solving the the one problem that you know exists really really well uh, i really like the point you made as well like having so many features not knowing then what people are there for as well makes it really really difficult to sort of uh improve the product in in the right direction as well Exactly, exactly. And, and of course, right, the obvious, just stay very close to the customers and just be obsessed about talking to them. Oh, like churn happens when, when, when you don't talk to them, when you don't, when you don't, when you don't have a proactive approach 
and, and you don't catch them in time and they leave, right? But if you're obsessed about talking to them and, and measuring stuff and just making sure that you understand how they're doing uh, with your service or product, then uh, you'll have a much better bet of uh, in not losing that customer. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Javier, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Uh, is there any sort of final thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with? Anything they should be aware of or how they can give up to date with your work? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Um, so look, yeah, um, if, if we're creating Oliva, the new company, uh, it's oliva.health. Uh, please go in and, and check it out. And it's basically made for all those people that understand the importance of uh, of their mental health and either want to fix something or, or work on something or simply be proactive. And, and what we do basically is that we make it very, very easy for you to find that, for you to find the right help for you, right? Uh, and so I would I would encourage everybody to give it a to give it a go. Uh, for me, it's it's moved mountains. It's changed my life, and and a lot of people that go through the process of therapy uh, say the same thing. So I would I would encourage everybody to have the courage to do it at least once and just give yourself a chance in your mind to get to where it could be, and then you'll see the wonders that it can create. Very cool. Yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. We'll have a link in the show notes as well. But again, it's like oliva.health. So it's O-L-I-V-A dot health. Um, check them out. Thanks again, Javier, for joining. Really appreciate the time. It was excellent having you. Wish you best of luck now going forward. Thank you so much. Talk to you. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.